Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening and watching Next Gen Dems. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on podcast.com, iTunes, YouTube, and uh, of course right here in your computer screen. We are here with a bunch of guys from CWA. We're going to go around the table and we're going to introduce or let them introduce themselves. Uh, again, my name is Curtis Wilde and you are watching Next Gen Dems. This is the 11th or 12th episode, so we're rocking and rolling with this thing. And we're going to go around the table, let these guys tell you who they are. So we're going to start right here. Good evening, future state rep Curtis Wild. How are well, you doing? Thank you, sir. Okay. Michael Songer. I'm a chief steward here with CWA, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Joe? I'm Joe Clentz. I'm the executive vice president for CWA 6300. Billy Muffet. I'm a senior campaign lead for the Communication Workers of America, District 6. I actually call Kansas City home, so I'm over here hanging out with the St. Louis boys this evening. Uh, Chuck Elgar, CWA 6350, Executive Vice President. Excellent, excellent. All right, we're going to kick right into it, and we're going to uh, talk about right to work. We're going to talk about all the, the things that are necessary to educate our audience, to let them know what right to work is, what it's going to do for Missouri, and what it's done for other states. So uh, let's start off over here. Let's start right. off on that side of the table. Um, tell us a little bit about how you came into the union and what it's meant for you. Uh, well, I started uh, with the union at uh, AT&T 22 years ago uh, as a uh, phone uh, agent and worked my way up to become a technician now. Uh, still working at AT&T. Um, as far as the union goes, my mother was a chief steward uh, back in uh, geez, the 80s and 90s. Uh, and I started in 96, so as, as she was tailing off, she instilled good values and uh, good union uh, ideals, ideas yeah. and uh, ideals to, uh, to anchor onto. And now it's time for the next generation, which is me, to carry that torch and educate and mobilize my membership. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Billy Moffat? Well, you know, for me, it, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm third generation union guy. My... Uh, my, father, my grandfather was UAW, dad is Carpenters Union, which he's still working now at age, he'll be 69 in October, he's still working hard. I still think he could probably kick my butt too, he's an ex-Marine, so he still scares the hell out of me. Then he could but, definitely kick your butt. Yeah, yeah, more than likely. <laughs> so, uh, I, I want to give my kids an opportunity to be union if they choose to. Um, I know as we look at statistics, uh, union density is down to like under 8% for the public sector or private sector, excuse me. So it's really it's really continued to shrink. To put that into perspective, it's at 8% now. Where was it at, at its peak? I know in the 70s, uh, it was all the way up. It was well over 50%. Um, I know we started to see what was called the Powell Memo that come out, and that was kind of the blueprint that was laid out um, to basically destroy labor. And once the Powell Memo came out, we started to see things like the air traffic controllers under Ronald Reagan, who went out on strike, and Ronald Reagan decided to fire all of them. And, you know, it was an accept acceptable thing to put all them on the street and really go after label labor and give corporations, you know, the idea that labor wasn't as strong as they thought they were. So they continued to work to try to take labor out. So union busting. Plain and simple. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. And then from there, we've seen things spawn like ALEC, um, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which, you know, I don't know how deep you want to get into that. But so let's get deep. <laughs> let's get deep. That's what we you do know, here on Next really, Gen Dems. Really what that is is it's corporations. Um, I'm not going to say who I, I work for, but even the corporation I work for 
funds money into this group, Alec, and Alec writes this legislation, like right to work. You have all these companies sitting at a table, probably something similar to this. It's probably a lot fancier. They're probably at one of our president's country clubs down in Florida or someplace like that. They get together once you gold once plated a year. tables, golden there toilets. Go. There you go. They write the, they write this legislation, and this legislation basically lays you know right to work. It, it's the same same bills in every state. Mm-hmm. I know there's even been cases. I believe it was Florida who uh, put a bill out and forgot to change the state in the bill when it was introduced. So they had the wrong state on the bill when it was introduced on the floor of this General Assembly in the state. Well, don't, don't quote me on it. I believe it was Florida, but stuff anyway. it definitely happened. So we It wouldn't know really guys, matter where the state was. The, the overall encompassing point is that right. they're trying to get this thing done everywhere that they can right. to benefit corporations. Right. Right. Let's come this direction. Uh, I'm Joe Clentz. Uh I have been... I guess fourth generation, my great-grandfather actually was one of the original uh, 655, the Baggers Union. He was one of the original uh, organizers back in, I guess it was the 20s or 30s, but um, my grandfather was union, my dad was union, and... Uh, Long line of union. Yeah, it's just family. I mean, we, we got values, you know, in our family that... You know, you work hard, you get ahead, and that's the old mindset, and that's the mindset I grew up on. And that's the way it should union, be. Union, yeah, and union was the way that, you know, my family put the food on the table, you know. So it, it means a lot to me to be union. I, uh, I'm i 100%. I mean, I, I would, like Billy said, I want my kids to have the opportunity later in life to get a union job, to get a good job, to know that, you know, they're going to be able to sustain their income and their household, like right now. And my dad brought it up a couple, you know, about a month ago. I was talking to him, and he said, you know, back in the 60s, only one person in the family had to work, you know, and could sustain a household income and all that. Now we're having trouble with the wife and the husband working, and sometimes you have the kids chipping in to pay the bills. Yeah, so you you absolutely have to. And most people don't even realize how that evolved. They don't know how it went from a single-parent breadwinner society our entire nation was like that, where yeah. one person could go out and they could win the bread for the entire family. The other person stays home, makes the house, uh, whether it be the, the man or the woman. Of course, in the 50s, it was mostly the men going out and doing the, the bread winning and the women making the house. That's kind of switching around. You see in unions that this is the, one of the only places that there is income uh, equality oh, yeah. uh, between men and women. And so that's one of the great things that are happening. Michael Songer, how did you get involved, and what brought you here? Just like everybody else, union family. Uh, my uh, father retired from uh, UAW 2250, Wentzville General Motors plant. Uh, my stepmother still works there. My wife works there, UAW 2250, General Motors. Uh, my mom retired from uh, the largest telecommunications company in the world, which is where I work. Uh, CWA not, also. Not saying names. Not, not saying, saying names. names. Just the, Taking our lead from Billy Moffat. Big, big, big old phone company. <laughs> um, but yeah, she retired. Ma Bell? Years. Yeah, pretty Whatever. much. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess I got, I got involved uh, probably back around the time we, we had a job title that was brought in called the Premise Technicians. And I saw how bad they were being treated by the company. We were never treated like that ourselves as technicians and when they came in was when I got really interested in in trying to help out so trying to organize fight back yeah I, I 
been a steward for about nine years and uh, chief steward for at least six. Very cool. So very cool. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, uh, right to work, what it is, what it's going to do, and then we're going to get back to Alec because uh, the, to to me what I'm seeing is. Uh, this is about corporate interest over uh, middle-class working family interests. Well, and I, I think the thing we, we've got to point out is, you know, labor helped build the middle class. Yeah. And, and I, these corporations, what they want to do is they want to continue to shrink the middle class until it's nothing. So either you're really rich or you're living in poverty. Yeah. You know, we've been fortunate enough to make a decent wage. I know our wages uh, help push up the industry and a lot of work people do. I know you see some of the trade unions like carpenters, electricians, people working out um, on the streets, you know, to fix roads or whatever. They may or may not be union companies, but they're paying wages that are competitive because the unions in those industries have helped set the wages. And to put that in a term, it's prevailing wage. Right, that, right. That's what has gotten wages up to where they're at. And without unions there to strengthen wages and to keep them higher, um, the prevailing wage is going to take a, a dip, and all wages are going to start taking a dip. Um, well, and, and, you know, to go to your question, I'm, I didn't want to get us off topic, but, you know, if, if, they're, successful, if they're successful in passing right to work, um, first of all, I haven't talked to her, maybe a handful of people that want right to work in the first place. Right. And most of and that's them, about as many right to work signs as I've seen. Right, the, right. And most of them have got $50,000 checks from the guy in Joplin. You know, we don't need to say his name. I'm sure most David people, Humphreys. <laughs> most people watching this podcast have probably heard at some Stinkfield. point. Um, you know, this is legislation... We already have a right to work. Everybody has a right to work. It's a ridiculous yeah. to call it that. Um, basically, what this is going to do is it's going to weaken unions so you know people can drop out, not pay their dues to their union. So next time we get to the bargaining table to bargain our next contract, let's say 30% of our membership drops out. So we're sitting at 70%. It gets a whole lot harder to bar bargain competitive wages, competitive benefits, retirement, vacation. All the, th all the things that unions have helped build, we're going to struggle to keep and I say keep we're not going to get better yeah. it's going to be a struggle to keep them if we're a right to work state because our union density is going down even less than the seven percent that we talked about a minute ago exactly right exactly right so how's uh, right to work envisioned in your world I mean how well like, like Billy says uh, you know all of our wages and all of our benefits have set the standard for every industry uh, in Missouri and beyond and when you take away the access to funding uh, so that we can make sure that these companies are upholding their contracts, uh, you know, it, it costs money. It costs money to have, uh, you know, legal help. It costs money for lost time and wages. Uh, just the organization in general, just to run the organization and make sure, you know, things are working. And then with that, it causes a division within inside your own labor, right? Because now you have 7 out of 10 or whatever the statistic is, you know, paying to be a union member and paying their small amount to, to get these better wages and benefits and, and make sure there's protections in place for everyday workers. And then you have the others that decide, well, I can be a welfare state, basically. And they can just take advantage of it, not pay, not do anything, you know, except work there, knowing that it's a union shop, you know, get all the advantages of being in the union, but then gut the union when it comes time to actually take the time and the, the resources needed to fight for them. 
and we're still obligated to continue to I don't know any club, any organization, any service that you get that if you don't pay for it, you still receive it. I mean, Netflix. I was just thinking the same thing. I'm pretty sure my damn Netflix is getting shut off if I don't pay the bills. Right now. Go to the Chamber of Commerce and tell them you'd like not to pay. Exactly. Or any BNI. For the opposition. Any BNI meeting. If you don't get a call, if you don't pay their $700 a year or whatever, you don't get their their network. Uh, Best explanations I heard was if if you live in a neighborhood with a homeowners association. So you got you got a nice house, you got a swimming pool in the neighborhood, a park, cut your grass, they got the yeah. park, you got the walking trails. It's clean. When you, when you sign on to buy that house, they slide a contract in front of you and say, You're gonna be in this homeowners association and you're gonna pay four hundred bucks a year, five hundred bucks a year, whatever it is, to be in this to have these services provided for you. Right, but here's the benefits you get for that. Exactly. Here's yeah. your benefits of what you get, but what happens if Half the people decide they're not going to pay that anymore. Exactly right. So, so your, your all of a sudden you don't have a good pool. Your pool's going to go to crap. It's going to turn green. Your grass ain't going to get cut. And then on top of everything else, the park's going to start. They're going to put away. a lean against your house because <laughs> you didn't pay yeah. it. But that's home value is going to go down. Yeah, everything. So, so everything you're paying for up front that you signed a contract for is, is what you're getting. And and when you come into our jobs, they you, you sign in and they say, hey, we like you. We're going to hire you. And here's the deal. It's a union shop. And day one, they're going to bring and here's a Here's the benefits that you get exactly. from this they're, shop. They're going to bring a card, and you're going to sign a card, and you're going to be union to do this job. At that point, if you don't want to be union, you can stop. Yeah. You can go somewhere else. You say, okay, union. I don't want your benefits and your decent wages. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't think we can hide behind the fact that, you know, uh, nobody wants this. There's a reason they didn't put it on the ballot. There's a reason they introduced a bill every year to pass this into law without letting Missouri vote on it. I mean, in 1978, this got beat 60 to 40. I know that was a long time ago. I was three years old, so now everybody knows how old I am. Uh, You know, there's a reason they didn't want it on the ballot. So they continue to spend millions of dollars to push this legislation, wasted days and days of uh, time in the Missouri General Assembly. They could have been spent passing bills that are going to help the middle class. They're going to help rebuild Missouri, which is basically what we need to do. Well, what has me worried uh, in 2018 is that people aren't as educated as they were back then. Right. They, they have too many other facets of entertainment that they focus on, and they're not educating themselves. They're not going out of their way to find out why unions are good, why busting a union is going to be bad for everybody, not just union members. Uh, they're too wrapped up in the voice, or they're too wrapped up in uh, you know whatever their, their vice is on their phone, and maybe playing Mario Brothers, but they don't get it. And they need to see that by unions staying strong, it's going to create a better work environment for more people. Well, and we really should be working on legislation to allow workers to organize. Absolutely. If you get in a work site, I mean, you see the recent movement with the low-wage workers. There's a reason that they are getting together to make better wages and better benefits. It's not because they flip burgers or the other nonsense that you hear. It's because their working conditions are shit. They make minimum wage. Most of them work two or three jobs. Now i got to throw a disclaimer on this. Thanks. Right. i got to... Explicit language. Right. Well, you, you know, and I apologize <laughs> it's all good. for that. I'm I might even beep you. You should expect that. I might even beep you. I mean, you've known me for a long time, Curtis. Come on. But <laughs> We're on the state committee together. Yeah. Look yeah. out. You know, there's a reason that this movement is moving the directions it's moving in. And, you know, honestly, the people in office, they're scared. 
I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of the opposition in the last few days say, well, if they beat it at the ballot box, we're going to bring it up again next year. Yeah. Because they know, they know they're going to lose when they put it before the Missouri. I mean, we've talked to people, it doesn't matter, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever they consider themselves, they're against right to work. Yeah. So they know they're going to lose on this particular thing. And, you know, I'm not trying to jump too much off subject, but it, it's more than beating right to work. We have to get them... I'll watch my language here, but we've got to get those SOBs out of office, the ones yeah. that support this legislation every single year. Absolutely right. Because right, really they're right. just supporting our corporations, you know, and the donations uh, that they get to their campaigns. They're not actually supporting any of the constituents' needs or values. Exactly. And there's got to be a, you know, an, a, a process or, you know, something that we can, a movement that we can, you know, move from this to create and sustain, you know, because if we're if we're not changing how we're educating, uh, you know, the youth uh, movement, you know, 35 and belows, then, you know, we're really not doing our jobs. So I think I think that's the next step is how do we, you know, continue the education as, as it used to be. You know, they used to actually have union days at school. I remember going to school and you'd have all kinds of union guys come in and tell you how great the unions were. And it wasn't just, you know, how much, uh, you know, our corporations could get another quarter of a penny you know, for the earnings so that, uh, you know, we can lay off some more Americans. It, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. It's not right for Missouri. Well, and you, and you can't forget, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially in the 70s and 80s, college wasn't for everybody. You come out of high school, you want to learn a trade, a union would step up and teach you that trade. Yeah. You want to be a painter, you want to be a mechanic. It doesn't matter. That union would give you the skills and the knowledge and the tools you need to have that career field and make a decent living doing that and yeah. not ever having to go to college. Yeah, that's exactly right. And people don't even think about the trades a lot anymore. They they think, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get involved in a startup, or I'm gonna create this, or I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna be a millionaire. I, I saw a study uh, yesterday. Most millennials believe that um, they're gonna be millionaires by the time they're 65, and they'll start sa- or no, by the time they are 55, and they'll start saving at 35. That's well, what they believe. I'm going to be drafted uh, to the NFL next week. See, so, <laughs> see? Oh, got it made. I'm going to be 39 uh, on the 27th, so I'm I'm about to be ready to be drafted. I'm right in my prime. You are. So yeah, uh, I'll be a figure skater, yeah. figure skater in the next Olympics. I mean, so let's talk about how how this version of union busting is also very political, um, because they realize, in my my uh, estimation, what I see is that they realize that unions are some of the most Democratic organizations that you can find, um, they they take votes and and um, the uh, the most people the majority is is what gets done you know and they all work together. They also realize that unions um, give money to Democratic candidates or a lot of candidates that support them and support what they're trying to do. And Republicans are not even being shy about the fact that they don't support unions, they don't support higher wages, they don't support better working conditions. So a lot of what they're doing to bust you guys is to also bust the competition. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, and, and I'll let you guys speak on this, but I, I know one thing we have to put off right off right off the bat is, you know, you hear these commercials from the opposition saying unions spend money on political stuff. That's total, it's against the law. It's it doesn't happen. Yeah. We, we so go explain out, that. It, it, we go out, we were just out today collecting money from our members voluntarily outside of their dues. So 
us members, like, you know, me in particular, I get $40 a month that goes towards our political action fund, and that money is used to actually help candidates that support working families. Yeah. And again, you know... That's the only PAC money I'll take. <laughs> well, and with, but people don't realize that PACs are political action committees, right. and, and you have to have a PAC as a union to be able to donate and do any political action, legally. And it's very structured. And, mm -hmm. you know, Songer, I know you can talk on that. Their committee sits down. They screen these candidates. They make yeah. sure they support their members before they ever even cut checks to these Let's people. talk so, about that. Yeah, Let's yeah, talk yeah. about the vetting process. I am proudly and excitedly endorsed by CWA, Local 6300. Exactly. Um, and how, how do we get there? How do you vet candidates? How do you decide that, that these people are going to work in the best interest of your union? Well, um, a lot of them reach out to us, mm -hmm. um, good, labor-friendly candidates, and... and the other as, ones are cute like me. Eh, there you go. And, then, and, right. and, and <laughs> as, as you said, we do, we investigate, we make sure that they're on the same page with us, that, that they're going to want to vote this, the way that we need them to vote to, to keep us going. Um, I have a committee. I, I, I get these um, requests brought in to me, and they have to be sent on a paper, and they have to be printed by a union yeah. because we even also, the envelopes. We also have uh, union printers here at our local, so we won't accept it if it doesn't have a union bug on it. Exactly right. We sit down at this very table, ten, twelve people, and we discuss each and every one that comes through. And um, it, it, we support Republicans, Democrats. It doesn't matter as long as they vote in, in the direction that we would like them to vote. Right. Um, for, for the good of the people, the good of, of our, our union and our, our members, um, and all families, all working families. It, it, you know, if they, if they vote the right way and that we support, then we take the PATH money that we talked about that we collect and we help them out. Excellent. Excellent. So let's talk about the contrast in messaging. You brought up a little bit of some of the commercials that the other side is doing. Um, what are, are some things that you're seeing, maybe some things you'd like to correct in this podcast? That, uh, that are misleading and, and not being truthful to the Missouri voters? Well, I know there's been a recent commercial. I think the guy is associated with the police department. And St. Louis PD, I don't know if he led the St. Louis PD at one point or not. But um, first of all, St. Louis PD is, is public sector. So they're not private sector, so they're already basically right to work anyway. Okay. So for them to for touch this on guy that to real out, quick, because some people don't understand. Well, that, public that. sector would be like your police officers, your firefighters, your teachers. Um, CWA, we have the Missouri state workers. You know, that's an, another issue in itself. Uh, they recently went after them with what's called paycheck deception. Uh, paycheck deception basically takes away uh, the ability of their employer, which in our case is the Missouri state workers, to take dues for these members. So it's up to this local, our, our state workers local, to go out and collect dues from every single member in the entire state. We have members. And, in, and how does that negatively affect? What's well, for one, we have members in every single county mm -hmm. in, in the state of Missouri. Uh, the local has a president, a vice president, and a secretary. Those are the three officers. So it's up to them to go and touch every single person in the entire in state. every single county. Make sure they're signed up for electronic funds transfer, which means you've got to get either their credit card information or their checking information, mm -hmm. which I know that tends to be a challenge with some people, especially people that don't make as much money. They're not willing to hand that information over. Right. You know, 
it's it's not easy. I'll put it that way. So it costs time. It costs gas. It costs Cost manpower. Money. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's another. It's not being used to represent the people that they're paying the money for. Exactly. Because they got chased down the money. So yeah. it's another way to union bust. Yeah, and if they don't have them signed up, I mean, every at the beginning of the year, they're not going to have any of these members signed up. So there's no dues coming in at the beginning. So they have to go out and get each member signed up to start collecting them dues. You know, to collect dues. So. It's like if you don't have any money coming in and you're spending money, how how are you going to make it? You know, yeah. and they're trying to put you guys even further under that radar. Yeah, we can't lose sight that you know right this right to work bill actually passed in 2017 in the 2017 session. Yeah, and if you remember, it was going to become it, it law. didn't pass from the voters. It right, exactly. The Missouri the General Assembly passed a bill to make it law. Mm -hmm. The governor at the time, Greitens, which is no longer our governor. Um, signed it into law. I think it was actually his first or second bill that he signed in February of 2017. But what they didn't know or maybe didn't fully understand is we had the ability to overthrow that by collecting signatures through uh, what was called a voter referendum. Um, we went out across the state. So many people held hands and did this together. It was so awesome. We collected over 300 Thousand signatures in all eight congressional districts. It was, was the it first time ten thousand four hundred and something. Yes, yeah. yeah, and it was the first time in the history of Missouri that uh, five percent of uh, voters' signatures had been collected in all eight congressional districts. Now it's happened a couple times since then okay. on some other stuff, but it was the first time in that actually stopped it from becoming law in August, and that's what got it to where we're at now, where voters get to vote on it and may. That's why it's Prop A, because it was the first thing that was put on the ballot in 2018. But, well, you know, sure, well, and to top it off, the well, language... Well, it should have made it there, but yeah. Well, and the language in the signature gathering had it going on the November ballot, which we know the November ballot's going to be a high turnout. We have a huge United States Senate race going on in the state of Missouri. Um, they've identified it as one of the top five uh, Senate races across the country, so there's a lot of money being poured into the state of Missouri. They know there's going to be a lot of people coming out to vote. So what they did is they didn't like that. So they what they did this last General Assembly in 2018 is they moved that election from November up to August because they know in August a lot less people come out to vote in a primary than what vote in a general election. So we also have that aspect of it. You know, and a they, lot of the people that signed the petition because the petition said that it was going to be on the November ballot exactly. were under the understanding that it was going to be in November. Exactly. So if they can get it pushed to August and then they don't let people know it or creates people, confusion it creates confusion and those people aren't going to go out and vote for it here's the thing that as someone who's running for office in house district 107 uh that's o'fallon st peter's lake st louis and a little sliver of winsville um i'm seeing that or thinking that they may have moved it to august to uh, get all the union members to go in august and vote and think that their job is done after they beat uh prop a and they don't understand that if they don't come back out, or a lot of people don't understand, if they don't come back out in November, then it's going to happen every year. It's going to keep getting pushed through. And some unions are saying, we don't want to politicize this. We don't want to go say it's a Republican thing or a Democratic mm -hmm. thing. But the Republican supermajority did this. Mm -hmm. They pushed it through. They made this happen. And they're already saying, if the will of the people says that they don't want right to work in Missouri... We're going to keep pushing it through until right to work happens in Missouri. Well, and they they had a governor Greitens that supported it, and now you know with um, the new governor um, Parsons, he supports it as well. So he was in the Senate at the time. You know, right to work had been brought up several <laughs> sessions in a row. It even passed a few years back when Jay Nixon was governor, and Jay Nixon vetoed it. 
And the cool thing about this is we had over 20 Republicans that stood with labor to protect that veto. So that's why I say this is not a partisan issue. This is this is a working family issue. It can't be a partisan issue. Now you're right. When we get to the ballot well, box in November, but when it but when it happened um, in Jefferson City, it wasn't every Republican and Courtney Curtis. Not every Republican. There was okay. still yeah on on this particular bill, right to work. There was still I believe it was 17. I would have to look it up because it's been a little bit of time. Yeah. I got numbers in my head all day yeah, long. Yeah. So. Um, there was there was Republicans that stood with labor this time around okay. also. Glad like, to hear that. You know when you know no. My opponent wasn't one of them, but glad but to it hear didn't that. matter because they had the governor there to sign it into law. Yeah, and and that's the other thing. Going back in time a little bit, um, you guys had that protection of the pen with a governor that was labor friendly. Right. And some union members don't realize that they don't really have that anymore, or. Right. or uh, maybe some people who are, are getting behind right to work don't realize that by putting Republicans in office, they are putting right to work back on the ballot. Well, and I think our job is to educate our members. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. we had a lot of members that probably voted to put Greitens into office, so they were voting against their own interests. Yeah. Unfortunately, what were the numbers in 2016? About 40% of labor as a um, whole? I've heard anywhere from 40 to upper 40. Um, yeah had voted, and I mean, let's look at it, you're voting against your own interest. Exactly if you're going to vote Republican, at least vote for somebody that's going to support labor, not somebody that's going to sign a bill that's going to take away everything that you've been working for your whole career. Yeah. So. so what are some, th some things that you're seeing that we're able to, to fight this? Well, some of the inaccuracies uh, that they've been saying, I've gotten three of their postcards uh, in the last two weeks myself, yeah. uh, so I guess I'm a... I'm because a, they can afford it. Right, you yeah. know, but... You know, they, they say things like, uh, you know, what do I do when my union stops supporting me and, and representing me? Well, really, there's no reason that that should ever occur. Uh, you know, as, as far as, you know, myself, and I can speak for these guys, I'm sure, uh, we get out and we talk to our members, we meet our members' needs, we're constantly looking for things to do to ensure our membership, you know, and, and their values and needs are met. You know, so there's already things in place. If we're so dissatisfied, there's elections, right? If we're so dissatisfied, we can go to the district or the national for support. You know, it's not just, you know, one layer. It's many layers of an onion, yeah. you know, that we can keep peeling until we get satisfaction. Uh, we can even make labor board complaints as members against our own union if, if need be. You know, so there's, there's many different entities and, and different avenues of checks and balances that are already in place. And if our union is doing such a horrible job, you know, which I can't imagine, but if it is, and everybody hates it, then we can even decertify the union with a majority vote. Yeah. You know, so there's already all these things in place. So the addition safeguards. of this... Safeguards. Those would be referred right. to as safeguards. And there's no, you know, this legislation doesn't give me more rights. It actually takes away those rights because now I lose the ability to have those protections. And then it causes, again, more division within, you know, the membership of haves and have-nots or paying and not paying, yeah. you know, so it's just more more issues like that and, you know, for, for any anyone to believe that their union uh, isn't representing their needs at a national district or local level is just insane and and that means they're not involved enough and they need to step up and, and put the time in and if they can do it better, we're, we're happy to have them, yeah. you know, we we want to work with everybody. It's not just, you know, the, I, the people that show up to the meetings. I've been mentioning that at doors, too, is that this thing isn't, for most people, shouldn't be about Republican versus Democrat or, or the left versus the right. 
this should be about the haves versus the have-nots. Yeah. And the people that are going to bat for the haves are not going to bat for the haves not, have-nots. Right. And we need more people standing with the have-nots to make sure that we have more haves. So. Well, and he, he scratched the surface, like, you know, the propaganda that says the un, their union's not standing up for them. I know I've seen that particular mail piece. I just kind of laugh at it. We have a democratic process. If you're not happy with your leadership in your union, you elect them out. Yeah. Anybody can run for office. If you're a dues-paying member to your local, you can run for office to be an officer in your local. So, you know, terms generally run. I know for CWA, we run three-year terms. Um, every three years, you have the opportunity to elect new officers. So there's a democratic process to make changes if you're not happy with the leadership in your union. And they don't point that out in their propaganda. Yeah, of course not. Why, why would they? They have an agenda and they want to get it through. Uh, what are some things that you're seeing? Uh, I mean, my biggest thing is just the corporations, the backing of these uh, ads that they're putting out. I mean, you have corporations that just don't care about the working person, you know. And All and they I, see is dollar signs. All they see is dollar signs. And, like, you know, in most contracts, just about all union contracts, you see stuff in there on just cause that – you know, you can't be terminated for just any reason. A company can't just walk up to you and walk you out the door. Well, and, you know, we're uh, at Will State, Missouri. They have laws that say they can just walk you out for no reason. Yeah. But in our contracts, we give people those protections. Yeah. And, you know, they're not going into the, those kind of things. And just to kind of elaborate, I'll tell a story that one of the multi-billion dollar companies bought another multi-billion dollar company and. Uh, I was on the organizing to organize these guys. Is this a recent merger? Oh, uh, yeah, pretty re okay. yeah, pretty <laughs> recent. And so we were organizing guys. And I'll tell you, you know, when you go into a non-union shop that's been non-union for years and you walk in, they're skeptical because they don't know, you know, what it is, what it's going on. And some, you know, they'll have family and know what a union is and they're happy to sign the card. But that's their choice, yeah. what they do. Well, we walked in and I'd say we probably had, you know, 50, 60 people you know, percent signing up, which, you know, it was enough. I mean, we didn't need more. But before we got them signed up, the company sent a letter to these guys' house. And you're talking about working families that are making eighty, ninety thousand a year, you know, good jobs in Missouri. And the company sent them a letter and said, as of this day, you're going to be making 12 bucks an hour. Non-union, they can do whatever they want. And these guys think that these corporations care about them, but they don't. They don't care about them. So guess what? The next week, we were at 99% sign-up cards because it directly it, it's, it shows the direct hit a corporation will do if you're non-union. Yeah. They're going to well, bust you. So they try to take, it, take a they're shot. They're going to take your stuff away. And, we, and that's the thing. About being in a union, you have these protections. And the problem is with right to work is they want people to pay for these protections for free. They want people to be able to not pay union dues and still get the protections. You know, and we have to represent them. And, and what BS line are they trying to spew that tells people that, that tries to, to spread that misinformation? I mean, that, that the employers will take care of the employees. You have to trust yeah. your employer. Well, How many people out there trust their employers well, if, if they're the, not union? If I that mean, was the case, right, we'd still have eight year olds chained to machines and factories, right? And, yeah, Working we were going to get there too. Days. It's because workers stood together. You know, to get the not only the safety changes, but first it was safety, then it was working conditions, you know, then it was hourly wages, then it was, you know, pension benefits and health care. Yeah. And, and these are the things that we fought for, you know, and, and, and in some cases for, died for, for yeah. literally died for, you know, these, these benefits and rights, 
you know, these human rights that, that we should be afforded, especially as a, you know, for someone that works for a company that makes, you know, $29 billion plus, gets a $20 billion tax break, we're 102 days without a contract, you know, for about 15,000 employees. And, you know, for, for just, you know, shekels, basically, they can, you know, take care of our employees' pensions and, and whatnot, but all they ask for is give back so they can make, you know, more money for the, you know, the shareholders, which, coincidentally, the majority of the pay that all of our executives make anymore is shares. Yeah. So if we're buying shares and we're manipulating the stocks, you know, with these buybacks, then the only interest that we're really giving to the employees are the ones that get shares. And, and none of the, you know, hourly, you know, union workers get shares. We get hourly wages. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the, the tax cut that they just gave for $1.5 trillion to the most elite among us um, and how that is being used to inflate the stock market, make it look like we have a strong economy, when really it's kind of a failure uh, in, in that attempt. So... Well, it's going to sunset for one. It's not. It's not permanent. But if you're a corporation, it is. You know, you yeah. you, get, you get that twenty five percent tax break forever. Don't even know that. Yeah, most people yeah. don't even know. No, that. it's great. It's great that people, on regular people, right? The corporations will keep getting it. You know, and it's always nice to take more money home. But what's the impact? Um, yeah. You know, people that were already poor are still poor because they're not taking home more. In some cases, they might actually be paying more. So, you know, and then I don't, these corporations are doing stock buybacks to make their stock look like it's stronger, it's worth more, and all of a sudden the stock market's going up. 401ks might look good, certain retirement plans might look good, but when's that bu bubble going to burst? Right. When's that going to all come crashing down? Well, because it was manufactured, it's not real. Well, what we really should be doing is going after these corporations that choose to outsource, you know, yeah. um, eliminate those tax breaks if they choose to send work overseas. Yeah. You know, we work I call those multinational corporations that offshore the American dream. Well, and I, exactly I would, I'll even doing. throw an example out to you. I, I started in 94 with the corporation I work for, and I come out of a call center. Uh, there was about 3,000 call center employees there when I started in 94. They're down to under 200. Most of that work has been outsourced overseas where they're paying pennies on the dollar, yeah. no benefits. Literally. And, pennies these corporations the just continue to get more and more tax breaks so they can go and acquire their next merger, their next company. Really not giving a shit about their uh, employees that they do have, and the consumers are, are being uh, slowly educated to, to basically be employees themselves. Yeah, you know, look at it like when you go to the grocery. You know, they have self checkouts. Like, am I an employee? I should. You know, not only do I have to bag my own groceries in certain chains, but now I have to check myself out. That was a union job at one time, yeah. and for many, it still is. Yeah. You know, it, it's no different than that, and they're doing the same thing in every industry. You know, in mine. Uh, you know, they automate our, our testing processes, they automate our ordering process, they automate, you know, everything that we can do, they're trying to automate. So eventually, what do we do? You know, what, what, is, what job is left for us so let's when talk there's about only that. What do artificial we do? intelligence? What do we do when, when they start automating all of the things that, that technology is allowing us to, to start automating at this time? What do we do? Um, how do we, we find solutions to those issues? Because we still need people to have roof over their head. We need them to have food in their stomach. Uh, you know, it would be warm in the wintertime and, and cool in the summertime. What do we do? I think in our line of work, we're always rolling with the punches and, and, and learning new skills and uh, the new, um, as, as new products come in, you know, we're, we're always 
don't want to call out the names of the products, but we're always rolling from from I, your I regular break telephone. That wall, man. I, I, I mean, if there's a cool technology coming out, I want to hear about it. I want the audience to know about it too. Well, we're we're always learning and and growing, and and our union helps us with that, with, with the learning process and figuring out where we need to go. Uh, we have training up here at the local that we do. We've had fiber optic classes here. Um, what other? We've done other things. We had a uh, some kind of radio technology class with um, cell to- cell phone towers and that kind of stuff. So we help our employees, or not employees, but members, members, members grow and, and learn new technology to keep up with the time so they can keep working here. Absolutely. So that's a, you I'll tell, tell you one big thing is, you know, is we got to start making stuff here in America. We got to start bringing jobs back to America and actually manufacture here. We, we sent so many jobs overseas over the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, I mean, we've killed industries. Uh-huh. And we had the boom, you know, we had the, the you know, the steel boom and, and this thing that we, you know, that created these jobs and now we're automating everything and we're taking jobs away and what's left? Yeah. You know, we have our poverty, you know, yeah, our poverty rate might be good, but you gotta think every year we're having more people. Every year we're having more, that's more people on the street, that's more people, you know, and it's just getting bigger and bigger, and it's manifesting, really. Yeah. Well, and I, I think when you go into these stores and you see these self-automation systems, you refuse yeah. to do it. You've got, you, you need to stand in line. Even if it's going to take an extra 10 or 15 minutes, the way you've got to look at it is you're probably taking somebody's job away from them. And last time I checked, I'm not on the payroll of one of these grocery stores, or I cringe when I say this, Walmart, which I don't shop at, but I, I know that they've... Uh, they went a lot to the self-automation stuff. They're not paying you to stand there and check your stuff out. Right. You just probably took somebody's job away because you're standing there doing it yourself That's when they exactly could be right. paying. You know, granted, it might not be a lot of money. I think what Walmart raised their wages to like nine bucks an hour or something. And you know why they did that? That was that was from this movement that we've seen come out this last. Because few if years. they didn't do it, their employees were going to organize. They were going to mobilize, and they were going to fight for it. Exactly. And so they bent. They and this bent. is their answer to that. Yeah, they're going to pay they more money. They only bent a little bit, though. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're going to pay more money, but they're going to kick this automation and hope people take this and start using it. And obviously, they're cutting jobs to be able to pay that extra money. Yeah. Why the CEOs still get the same amount of money, or the people that are on the board, or even more money in some cases. And t- talking about Walmart and I'll say other stores, Home Depot, and you know some of the Lowe's and some of these other stores. When you get hired in that store, they have you watch an anti-union video. They have you watch something that says if a union person comes in, you know, contact the manager. If you know, because they want to take these are corporations that they don't want to let you choose. They don't want you to have your right to organize. Wait, they don't want to empower their workers? Exactly. What's that? We're being conditioned. That was the whole point with that. We're being conditioned away from you know the behaviors that ensure our own success and survival. You know, like he says, when you go to these places. And you have to wait five to ten extra minutes, you know, to complete your transaction. You at least have that human factor of somebody right here in America, and you're making a difference in your community. Right. Even if it's a nine dollar an hour job or a hundred dollar an hour job, the impact is immediate to your community. Right. You know, when we, all we do is, you know, do this online stuff, and and we get conditioned that that's okay when we call, you know, a big corporation and they send us over to the Philippines or. Pakistan, they don't understand the, the service, you know, they don't understand the language, they don't understand even the technology or, or it can read the script on the on the computer, and yet we, we just say, well, that's the way it's done. 
But it's not. That's not the way it's done. That's the way that's become acceptable because we're not educating the public enough. You know, we're not getting out there and ensuring that our members understand that if they go through one of those lines, they're basically cutting their own throat. Because if they come for them today, they'll come for us tomorrow. Yeah. And in some cases, they may be union jobs. I know I, I can give you some examples of grocery stores. We won't say names, but I know also, <laughs> they're, they're UFCW. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're commercial workers. So you're talking, you're, you're um, hurting the union that way as well when you do that, or you're hurting your fellow union members if you choose to go through one of those automation, automation systems. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's a coming future, though. It really is coming. There, it, there really is no looking back, as far as I can tell. Because I walked into a theater not too long ago, mm -hmm. and I had no interaction with a person. I mean, and we came back out, got popcorn and soda, so there were people that were pouring the soda, people that were uh, for how know, long making though? the popcorn. <laughs> but for how long? Because the, the, uh, how we got a ticket away. was at a kiosk. <laughs> Get your own yeah. And there were three or four kiosks there, one human being. And the wow. human being was only there to troubleshoot for the kiosks. Yep. Wow. So uh, there's a lot of that that's coming. And what do we do? What are the solutions? Uh, that that's going to get us there. I like where Michael was going. You got to educate uh, your members. You got to educate the public, uh, and and get on board with the the new technologies of the day. Get on board with the new inventions. And, and uh, as much as people want to have the United States go back to a manufacturing uh, economy, right now we're at a service economy. I want us to be in an innovation economy. Oh, yeah. I want us to be creating the best technology, the top uh, things that, that we can use in everyday life for, for all things. And in order to do that, some jobs are going to be lost, man. I mean, you look at unions, and one of the unions that I bring up is the lamplighters. Mm -hmm. And lamplighters had it rough when electricity came along. Um, so what do we do when, when things start getting past that uh, evolution? Yeah, well, it has to start with education. And, and to that point, public education. I mean, you know, the, 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 the difference in the quality of public education from when our parents, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you know, were in there. You know, when they completed high school, they had to have Latin, two years of foreign language, and, you know, uh, physical physics. Ed. Physical physics. education. Home yeah. economics. I mean, these kids now, they don't know how to sew a button. Yeah. They can't, you know, scramble they an egg. They cook a They cookie. can't change a tire. You know, and, and God forbid, they yeah. couldn't fill out a 10, 1040 EZ if their life mm. depended on it. They have to have H&R Block software or whoever. Or TurboTax. Or, or, or whoever it is, it is you know. Yeah. And, and that's part of the problem is, you know, we're getting away from, you know, a, a, a value on actual facts, and we're now moving towards opinions. Yeah. You know, I can debate you, you know, but when it comes down to it, if it's facts, that's it's black and white. But if it's not facts, then it just becomes opinions, and, you know, that's like saying you're offended is like me saying I'm hungry. Yeah. You know, it's just my opinion on the matter. But when, right. we, when we work on stuff like right to work or a public education system, there are actual facts that we can go back to the 50s to show the, you know, quantifiable data that, you know, ensures that this is wrong for Missouri and every other state. And we can take two states as an example, Alabama being one of the worst states, and they've had right-to-work uh, legislation since the late 50s, and one of the strongest uh, economies and union-represented states in Minnesota. You know, they've had some of the best and strongest legislation against right-to-work, and actually giving workers rights.
You know, it, it's not about right to work, it's about workers' rights. And, and, and that's where I'd like to mention that's in. also a uh, Democratic stronghold for <laughs> Democrats. Well, and Just I think another thing we, we got to point out is you know, when you start shrinking uh, unions, you know, obviously wages go down. It's no coincidence you keep seeing this number, $8,740. That's how, how much people are going to lose per household if On you become a right-to-work state. Yeah. So if you have less money coming into your household, you're paying less taxes. So what's that mean? Less taxes going into your public education. Which less is taxes going, to make going your into quality. your hospitals. Less taxes going into your roads, your bridges. Right. right. Uh, so your quality of life is going to change because your uh, communities that you live in are getting less money. Yeah, and not for the better. And right. to that point, with the the wages, what do we pay for for union dues? Was it uh, two, two and point two five yeah, hours? Two and a half or two and a quarter hours a month, right? Yeah. You know, which is under a hundred dollars for ninety nine percent of every union worker out there. Okay, but the benefits that they get on a weekly basis for wages and benefits and protections is hundreds of dollars different. You know, so when you go with a, a union-represented uh, employee versus a non-union-represented employee, you find that, yeah, they pay the, the $100 or less per month in dues, but what do they get? They get three times that in benefits. And, and to Mike's point earlier about the homeowners, you know when you go in and you sign up for that job or you, know, you sign that card, I'm a union member, and that's part of the deal. So you put a little bit back, but you get it back. So it's just like tithing. You know, you put your 10%, you get it back tenfold. Exactly right. The, the interesting thing about that is that you, you brought up the Homeowners Association, but it's with anything. You can't go to a gym right. if you're not a member. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just that simple. It's a Costco. Yeah, you have to, to pay into the benefits that you're getting from that membership. And right. if you don't, you shouldn't get it. And they're trying to make it to where people can join and not have to pay into that and still get it. Well, and, and also, this is just the beginning. I mean, if we become a right-to-work state, they're going to go after, they've already tried to go after the amount of weeks people get in unemployment yeah. um, in the state of Missouri. We know that some of these employers don't want to pay overtime if you work them more than 40 hours a week. These are things that unions have had in place for several years. And don't think for one minute, if unions' density goes down to under 5% or, you know, even less than that, that they're not going to start going after this stuff. Yeah, they're, they're going to get rid of things that we've had for years and years and years well, that unions actually was able to get. And, you know, the one thing, the one piece of legislative that it just talks about killing the people's voice is the voting. You know, we get went around and got signatures, but then they put legislative on the table for us to pay for signatures. They right. wanted every person to pay for every signature that we collected, you know, and it just shows that, they want to take away the people's voice. They, the, you know, the right to work and the bills and legislative that they're pushing forward is not to let people have a voice in what happens. It's to it's to get rid of it. They, why? Why? Explain why. Because of corporate interest. Money. I mean, That's it's exactly money. right. It's money. We've yeah. had a value shift, I think, yeah. in the last twenty years uh, that we haven't seen. You know, this level of greed or. You know, corporate intoxication with uh, you know money. Do you know the last time that the corporate tax has been set? You know how they just reduced corporate tax. Trump just filed. You know, yeah. and the last time that it was this low was during the Great Depression. That's, so it just yeah. shows you where. And you know what? It, and in the history of every civilization, it's a round. It's a cycle, and it seems like we're just at the low end of the cycle right now. And yeah. they've they've taken it. Until people stand up for their rights, they're going to keep taking. Yeah. yeah. I just saw 
uh, read today that by the end of the year, our country is going to be uh, the most in debt that it's ever been. Really? And it's mm -hmm. like, if that's the case, then why are you going to take away... 21 trillion, I think. Yeah, well, why, why are you going to take away the tax money from the people that are there's, the most rich paying their taxes? Uh, somebody's got to pay that well, money. Even, we even if go, we paid all the taxes at 100% of every dollar that's actually in existence, when the central banks loan it to us, they loan it at $1.3 yeah. for every dollar. So for every dollar that we get on our, our debt means we own 1.3 back, but they've only printed $1. And yeah. there's no gold standard, there's no yeah. silver standard, there's no petrol. It's you know, fiat standard. currency, man. Most people don't even realize that. And, and unfortunately, if we go off into a really deep, dark hole, you know, we find out, like, of the four countries, Syria and, you know, Iran and a couple of the others, you know, why, why, are, why are those interests the ones that, you know, our government always seems to have an issue with? Do they have oil? Well, not just oil, but... When they try to leave the central bank, all of a sudden, you know, Syria is killing its own people all of a sudden, yeah, right? You know, yeah. Russia is doing the same thing. They're getting away from the central bank. Now, look at the all of JFK a sudden, the media, assassination. Look at the JFK assassination. Well, if you look at, if, he if wanted you go to get down us, that hole. Like, <laughs> we, he wanted know, to get us back on the gold standard. Yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. Know. But uh, there were a lot of things happening behind the scenes that yeah. a lot of people don't realize. Uh, was making a lot of people very angry at the time that JFK got assassinated. Yeah, five days before he gave that uh, speech to the was the International Money Fund. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then uh, broadcast it to be public. Yeah, and then and, and people don't realize where our fractional reserve system came from. Um, it, it, way back in the the feudal system and the the days when they had you know castles and horses. Um, and you would take it, take your money to a, a banking type system, and uh, they they would take your money and they keep it, and then they could loan out, and they still do in today's day and age in America. They can take your dollar, and they can loan out nine times the worth of that dollar, and, right. and now they don't understand why there's inflation. It's like, well, you just created eight more dollars out of my one dollar, you know? So how do we fix that? How do we get away from that? Is voting something that can really uh, change that? Can we change it on a legislative level? Or do we have to get bigger than that? Do we have well, to take it to the streets? Well, it has to start, a movement has to start, you know, to change, right? Mm -hmm. to, to see that there's a problem, to identify the issue and then come up with the solution. Once we have that, then you have to get the right people that want to, you know, take that solution and, and, and execute it, you know, on a, on a legislative, you know, level. Yeah. So unless we're, unless we're starting this grassroots campaign to move out all the people that are, you know, against uh, balanced budgets and yeah. against, you know, workers' rights and against all these things, until we get, you know, out of that and back to what, you know, our representation originally was supposed to be, you know, you were supposed to be a part-time legislator and a part-time, you know, citizen of your state, yeah. you know, and it wasn't supposed to be if you're in for four years, you're set up for the rest of your life, you know, it was, it was supposed Talk to be. Talk about that. It was supposed to be public service. It was supposed That's to be That's what service. our government was built to do. So talk about that a little bit. Go ahead, Bill. You're good uh, on this. Bill involved in politics? <laughs> Bill, Bill's a good understanding. Well, and I, you know, honestly, I'm not trying to change the subject on you, but I mean, this really comes comes down to beating Prop A for us. I mean, we, we we don't need this on the ballot. You know, honestly, I year after year getting attacked 
and all the money that's been spent on this, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, why aren't we focused on fixing some of the other things that are wrong? And these people in office, you know, tell us, you know, what they're going to do for their communities, and then they get in office, and, you know, they start taking checks from these corporations, or David Humphreys down in Joplin, or even the Koch brothers. I mean, the Koch brothers, we haven't even scratched the surface with that. Uh, they're responsible for Americans for Prosperity, which all of these opposition commercials end with, paid for by Americans for Prosperity. That's the code. Prosperity brothers. sounds like a good word. You look right, it up, right. It's got a good well, meaning. so does right to work. Yeah. You know, everybody wants a right to work. But, you know, if we strengthen the labor movement and get us back to where we were in the 70s, which I know that says a lot, but at least give workers the ability to organize, go in their work sites if they have bad working conditions and decide that they want to form a union, and they vote, and then the union goes in and bargains a contract, that's what we need to get back to. Yeah. That's what's going to fix a lot of these issues that people are dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah. The rich can still be rich, but the middle class can still be a middle class, and we can start to shrink that poverty level that we continue to see increasing while the middle class is shrinking. Yeah. There should be no reason that you brought up the, uh, the tax rate of corporations. And we did have, in 2016, one of the highest corporate tax rates in the world uh, at 39.5% or something like that. Um, however, once they got all the loopholes, once they got all the tax breaks, a company like GE can pay negative 4% tax rate mm -hmm. while me and my wife are having to pay 25 or whatever it is and whatever you guys are paying. Mm -hmm. uh, and people are, are not seeing that. They're not hearing that. And I think that more people need to be educated on those things. And they're not going to get educated on, on the corporate media that is being shot out to us. Um, so how are some ways that, that people can really look into CWA? How can they get involved? Um, what's, well, what's that process look like? I, I think that you guys will probably agree with me with this. I think they woke up a sleeping giant. I think that maybe in some ways labor got complacent. They just took things for granted. Like, you know, we're doing well. Why do we need to get outside of our silo? Well... Well, they had the protection of the pen. Yeah, they, exactly. They well, I'm, a, a I'm here government. right now to tell all of my labor brothers and sisters it's time to get outside of our own silos that we're comfortable in. We've got to get involved in stuff outside of labor issues, stuff that's going to help the middle class, stuff that's going to help get people out of poverty. You know, yeah. one thing that I'm proud to say with labor is it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what sex, uh, your sexual preference is. None of that matters with labor. And that's one of the unique things about labor is, you know, we protect anybody. Anybody that's our member, we have a contract that makes sure that everybody gets the same benefits, the same pay, the exactly. same representation. It doesn't matter who you go home to at night, you know, another man, another woman, if you're a woman or whatever. It doesn't matter or if you're asexual or whatever you're into. It doesn't matter. You're represented by that contract. That's right. You're so a CWA you know. through and through or, or whatever your union may right. be. Right, right. Uh, and regardless of race, creed, color, or, right. or affiliation. Uh, one of the things that, that I notice with uh, uh, the fact that a lot of people don't want to, to politicize this thing is that uh, when it comes down to it, the checks from those corporations that are benefiting from this are going to those Republicans that are, are going to vote for their best interest, the corporation's best interest, the big money, dark money best interest and not the best interest of the people. Another thing that a lot of people don't see, even union members, uh, is the intersectionality between so many issues and why these things connect and how they connect. You know, you, you look at a thing like uh, cannabis, cannabis legalization, and you don't think that, that that touches at all on a union on the surface. 
But then you look into the fact that almost 50% of people in our prison system is there for nonviolent crimes, a majority of which are cannabis possession, mm-hmm. right? And then you look at the fact that that's uh, a lot of uh, black people, a majority of black people, in, in those nonviolent situations that are in prison for possession. Those prisoners go to work. Those prisoners get paid slave wages for their work. And now you've got the slave wage system of all these people working for little to nothing. And if you didn't have unions, minimum wage in America would probably be three bucks, two bucks. Because if the unions weren't there to offset those slave wages, then all wages are going down. All protections are going down. And then you look at how that intersects with their, their prison industrial complex is taking parents out of households. And then you've got one parent household. And we all know that we live in a day and age that you need two incomes in a household. So that one parent is having to work two jobs. And then they're leaving their kid at home either alone or with Grammy or with an aunt or an uncle. And that kid may resort to crime because there's something that they want. Or may try drugs because they don't have the supervision. So it's amazing how, to me, uh, all this intersects. All this intersects. You guys have to, to keep your wages high, keep your protections high, and all that good stuff. And we also have to have an overhaul of our criminal justice system and an overhaul of, of how we uh, look at taking family and taking parents out of homes and how we look at, uh, even at the border, separating children. You know, that is going to have a negative effect. We, we have, and I understand that there should be American workers working these fields uh, and and totally get that. But we have fields of fruit that isn't getting picked. We have warehouses of meat that now, because of these tariffs, are going bad and rotting and Well, in Missouri, just look at the soybean farmers. Soybeans. Know, the, the, you know, I, I heard the other day, for them to make a profit, it has to be like $10 a, a bushel, I believe. And right now, I believe soybeans were selling like around $8 a bushel. So these people that are just getting into that kind of stuff because of these tariffs that our president has passed, they're not going to make it. They're going to flip within the first couple of years and probably go belly up because of situation and then they're going to go bankrupt and then they're going to be part of the slave wages society that they're trying to create and that's what alec uh and that type of legislation will bring out is a slave wage society where you got the the elite at the very very top taking everything right and then you got the 99 percent under them that is not getting enough that is not not getting the the necessities of life uh, and in order to to have that balance, we have to have strong unions. And what that means for Missouri is that we have to vote no on Prop A, right? I agree. And I hope everybody watching, make sure you take your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, everybody you go to church with, anybody you can get to go to the poll on August 7th and vote no. no. I mean, we really need to send the message that we don't want this in Missouri. Hey, if we beat this 70%, who knows, maybe it will slow them down a little bit. It might take them a few months to get to this next time. Maybe we can put some more pressure on them after August 7th. You know, listen, if you're going to go back to this, we are going to vote you out. We, we should be working on... Um, that should already be the case because right, they, already absolutely. Put, like, they already put Missouri in this position. But we also know, you know, generally voting-wise, uh, what's voter turnout, 11 12%, especially in a primary, it's not high. Yeah. So you've got 90% or 88% of the Missouri population not voting because they don't think they can make a difference. So I'm hoping that everybody bands together, steps up, starts voting, and we can take back our state from this extreme crap. And, it, again, 
I'm Democrat, but I don't care for Republicans in office if they support labor and they support things that's going to make my family and my members' lives better. Yeah. I'll vote for them. Well, man, Especially look, at, in, look at John McCain. John McCain saved health care in America. He's a Republican. Right. You know, so and like that thumbs down um, really turned it around and, and made uh, that go away for the time being. They're going to keep trying to bring it back. Right. But, again, it's not even, and unfortunately, I keep bringing up Republicans because those were the people that voted for this and pushed it through and are now saying, if you guys beat it, we're going to come back at you. Justin Hill quoted, at an event with uh, Glenn Coggy Jr., president of UAW 2250, um, that if right to work, if this doesn't work, if people vote no on Prop A, they're going to bring it back every year. And they're going to keep doing it until their shot callers, until the people pulling their strings are happy. Absolutely. Yeah. But in my estimation, the people who should be pulling their strings are the people. And, and that's the reason that people don't feel like their vote, vote and their voice matters. And we need to change that perception. And the only way we can change that perception, in my estimation, is by making our vote matter. Not only making it matter, but saying it loudly and proudly. We are standing up against this. We are standing for these things. And, and once you tell people where you stand, um, they start getting behind it. I, I'm a Democrat. I'm on the DNC, Democratic National Committee. I'm on the state committee. I'm on my county committee. But before I got involved, I saw the Democratic Party and the Republican Party as the same thing. A bunch of white men in suits sitting around a table in a penthouse smoking cigars and drinking the, the finest drink they can drink. And we have to change that perception. We have to change that perception by the people who are saying they're there for the people to walk that walk and not just talk the talk. And in order to do that, we've got to, to get as many people behind these messages as we can, as many people uh, supporting these policies, and supporting people first and not profit first, supporting Main Street, not Wall Street. And, and we got to get it done. And the only way we can get it done is together. The only way we can make it happen on a legislative level is at the ballot box. Yeah. So. And, and it starts our August 7th. I mean, really, that's just the beginning. We vote this down, and we can't stop that momentum. we got to keep it going because, you know, that's kind of where we were. We got stagnant. We got to the point where people said, hey, you know, we don't need to get out there. And we gotta we got to make it a point that, you know, if we come out and vote this down 80 to 20 or 70 to 30, we got to send that message that, look, you don't want to touch this issue because the majority of the people don't back want it. Back off. Yeah, back <laughs> off. And, and you know what? And that'll change Republicans' mindsets. It'll change, you know, some Democrats' mindsets. I mean, it's going to make, like, people understand, like, look, this is not an issue that we really want to mess with. And I think Songer, he actually saw it firsthand with uh, there was a Republican that – that was endorsing right to work and he put out a flyer after the fact and he left it off his flyer because it's my my current state rep I it was uh, very funny that he doesn't have a opponent in the primary nor the normal election cycle so he's already sent out his uh, literature for next year wow. and um, he put everything in there that was passed this year who to is the it? house who is it if you uh, Robert Cornell gotcha um, he, He's he, the brother-in-law of my opponent, just saying. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, he, he sent out this pamphlet to my house yesterday. It had all the things that were passed last year in the, in the house. It didn't say right to work. There was nothing right in there about right to work. So that tells me that they're distancing themselves from it right now because they think they're going to lose it 
hopefully we beat it bad. Billy brought it up earlier, and I, I had the same feeling, is if we beat it bad, maybe they'll step away from it next year. Yeah, we need a landslide. Well, and I did, the power of people is it can beat money every time. It's just a matter of getting your people to the polls and making sure they vote. They can continue to spend millions and millions of dollars, and I hope they do, and I hope they lose every single time. You know, David Humphreys uh, obviously has an unlimited supply of money. I don't know what he's doing with his roofing shingles down there, but he's got something going on. You know, keep spending that money. That's fine, but we're going to make you lose because we're going to get our people to the poll, and we're going to make sure they vote no on August 7th. That's exactly right. No matter how much money you have, you cannot fight people who are mobilizing and organizing for the betterment of, of themselves and their families and communities. Uh, before we get out of here, because we, we talked about doing this for an hour, we're a little over that time, which is totally cool because my, my uh, viewers are used to 90-minute episodes. Uh, Corey Bush, we had to cut short. She's running for Congress. What do you do? You know? <laughs> Uh, and, and I do want to shout out to Corey Bush, uh, get out to the polls for her uh, as well on August 7th. Um, it, it, the podcast I did with her, two uh, Our Revolution nationally endorsed candidates, one podcast. So that was cool for me. I mean, you know, and just to have the Our Revolution national endorsement meant a lot. But to be sitting there with her, we were both nationally endorsed and that was cool. And sitting here with you guys is awesome. I mean, I, I put this podcast together to amplify the voices of the people who needed it amplified. Because uh, the other side, I'm going to stop saying Republicans, but the other side uh, can afford to, to uh, get on the media. They can get radio ads, they can get TV buys, they can do all this other stuff, and they get the invitations to come on shows, to come on the news, and to do this and that. And uh, that's why I created this, was to give a voice to the people, to amplify the messages that needed to be amplified that the mainstream media is not going not gonna to do. So I appreciate you guys coming on for the show. Um, I hope that you guys all go home and subscribe to Next Gen Dems. Again, you can check it out on podcast.com, iTunes. Uh, the video is also available on Facebook and YouTube. Let's go around the table one more time, introduce ourselves. And uh, Chuck Elgar at 6350 CWA. All right, thanks, Chuck. Billy Moffitt, uh, CWA District 6, Senior Campaign Lead. If you do anything on August 7th, just make sure you go out and vote no on Prop A. Exactly. Uh, Joe Clentz, Executive Vice President, CWA 6300. And just get out there and vote, man, August 7th. And uh, Michael Songer, CWA 6300 right here in St. Louis, uh, Chief Steward over, our, over the outside guys. Excellent, excellent. And I am your host, Curtis Wild. I am a, an elected DNC member. I'm also running for state representative in District 107 out in O'Fallon, St. Peter's Lake, St. Louis. Feel free to look me up at wildforthepeople.com. That's W-Y-L-D-E forthepeople.com. You can also check out Next Gen Dems, all the places that I told you to. I do have a website for that, but uh, I, I've been lacking on putting the, the website up because Facebook's so much easier than, than to go and, and put stuff on the website. Um, but I appreciate you guys watching. Um, we are going to keep doing this thing. So if you like what you see, please share it, like it, let your friends know about it. And, and this is, uh, I have no strings on me. I have no sponsors, so I can do anything I want to, and I'm going to. Um, and I appreciate all of you watching. For CWA, I am an endorsed candidate. Yes, sir. And I appreciate you. you guys very much for that. Um, for Next Gen Dems. And all the way across. And for myself, Curtis Wilde, thank you all so much for watching. This has been an episode of Next Gen Dems. Vote no on Prop A. Vote no on Prop A. August 7th.